Here we go. All right. We are here on a Friday night. Been having some tech issues tonight. So I had to switch over to my laptop. So hopefully this all goes well. I hate to waste my guest time. But if you're brand new to the show, this is episode number 240 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. So this show is all about overcoming obstacles. It's about defying the odds. And I've had my own personal share of that these last three months. But you know what? The show must go on. I got to show up and I got to present these guests to, to you all so you guys can get inspired by their stories and maybe help you get through your own mess. Because I don't sit up here acting like my life is perfect or I haven't made mistakes because I definitely have. But we are here to focus on how to how to get what you want out of life. And so if that sounds great for you, please stick around. And I got to remember, I have my laptop and not my desktop, <laughs> right? And just stick around to the end because you're going to get a lot of great information out of this. And if you're joining me over on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. If you're joining me on Facebook, please like and share. And without further ado, let me bring in my guest who's going to help me have this conversation. So let's welcome David Richmond to the show. Well, hello, Robert. How are you? And this is the problem with going live. <laughs> right. When things happen, you can't go back and edit it out. <laughs> it's all good. I'm happy. And uh, we all we all got our problems, don't we? Yes, we no do. Big deal. No <laughs> yes, big deal. we do. All right. So where are you joining me from? I'm actually sitting in uh, beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada right now. Las Vegas. Nice. Is is that where, where you're from or you're you're traveling? That's where that's where I, I live. I split my time between San Diego and Las Vegas. And okay. uh, so I kind of like the heat and I like the quiet. I, <laughs> I know people don't think Vegas is quiet, but aside from the strip, it is. Yeah. And so uh, so I, I love it out here. Yeah, I've been to Vegas a couple of times. There's many, many quiet spots out there. I like mm -hmm. uh, Red Rock Canyon. Really oh, nice over gorgeous. There. Gorgeous yes. there. So I do a lot of uh, outdoor athletics, right? A lot of endurance events. Yes. And, and I kind of prefer to train in the heat. And and I like I, I like the open roads here. And, you know, no place is super safe when you're biking and, and, and running and all of that. No place is like, a, you know, a void of problems. But I, I just, yes. it's, it's very quiet here. I, I really like it. Wide streets, endless, yes. endless trails and I mean, how could you not love Red Rock? That's beautiful up there. Yes, yeah, nice, really nice out there. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's dive into the main topic. So, how to focus on what you want out of life? So, how did how did you get yourself to doing what you're doing now? Ah, uh, boy, it's a long story, but basically, uh, the first step of it uh, came at through a conversation with a friend of mine, and. Uh, I, I had been at a pretty low place in my life. I, I was I was married to a, a woman who was who was very violent, uh, alcoholic, uh, not happy. I was stressful. I was overweight. I was a smoker. Um, I was pretty successful in business. Had some good friends or whatever. But I think I kind of lived my whole life, Robert. I kind of like head down, so yes. I could make sure I found enough problems to try to solve. 
and um, uh, head down, like um, didn't really interact with the world in a, in a real positive way. And, you know, I kind of looked to other people for, for uh, my validation and I really wasn't in touch with who I was and, 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 and who I wanted to be. And at this low point, I had this buddy of mine and I, he and I had this conversation and I was just like, Chris, man, I got to tell you, dude, I'm like tired of all this crap that's going on. It's just, it's just like, Oh, why does this keep happening to me? And he stood up and he goes, David, he goes, are you kidding me, dude? I'm tired of this. Like for years, I've been hearing this from you. He says, and I, you only hear what you hear when you hear it. Right, Robert? <laughs> yes. But, but, but he said to me, he goes, dude, he goes, I'm so tired of listening to you complain about everything. He goes, you're the problem. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, huh? And he goes, yeah. He said, here's what you do. You walk down the street, you look for every wild dog, and then you pet it, and you wonder why it bit you. Yes. He goes, the wild dogs don't know any better, and you keep trying to pet it. You give it a nicer home, you feed it a good meal, and you go, well, it's not going to bite me. And then you pet it, and it bites you, and you go, what the hell? He goes, (laughs) why don't you look in the mirror and see why do you keep trying to pet wild dogs? And I'm like, ah, you're right. Like, you're right. Like, that's what I do. That's all I do is fi- try to create problems or find problems and fix them or try to fix them, except for the, the one in the mirror. And yes. so that, that really woke, woke me up. It, 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 you know, I mean, one way or another, I heard that a hundred times in my life or I thought it, but it just never, it never hit me until. Yes. I, and, uh, I, I mean, I, I totally remember the night, Robert, I'm leaned over on the, on the bathroom sink. And I'm looking in the mirror and I go like, who are you? Like, what the hell? Like, what are you doing? What do you like? What don't you like? What do you want to be like, 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 like what matters to you? And I had this long, like, I'm like hour long conversation out loud. If anybody saw me, they thought I'd crazy, right? Talking to myself. (laughs) But I I just talked to myself and I just tried to say, okay, well, what do you want to do? And that's where it started. See, I love that too, because everybody, myself included, deals with that. Even in the fitness world, when I'm doing consultations with people in the gym and they're listing all of these reasons slash excuses why they got out of shape. And I always come back with the, you got out of shape because you allowed yourself to. And they're like, oh no, you don't understand. I had to take care of my sick, my sick mom or my sick dad. I was like, yeah, I did that two years ago with my father and I didn't miss not one workout and I still ate right. Like I was focused in on what the mission was. Mm-hmm. And so just like you said, people find problems to solve because that gives them a way out from what they really want to be doing. It's like, well, I could be doing this, but yeah. like I want to accomplish this, but, and they seek those problems. Like one recurring theme I say on the show is that whatever you seek, you're going to find. It does. It doesn't matter what. If you look for problems, you're gonna find them. You know, if, you, if you look for issues, you're gonna yeah. find them. You, you look for racism, you're gonna find it. You look for sexism, you're gonna find it. But if you look for opportunities, you're gonna find those as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's really well said. And and that's what I did. I and when I looked in the mirror, I I, I kind of took that honest assessment. Like 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 you know, I couldn't I couldn't fake myself anymore. I couldn't say, oh, I got this problem to solve or I got this whatever or this is happening to me. I got this chip on my shoulder. I'm going to not pay attention to this. I just took a revealing, honest look at myself. And I think that was the first time I ever did it. And the good, the bad, the ugly. 
And then the, the next thing I did, which I, I didn't know I was doing at the time, but but in retrospect, I can look back and go, the next thing I had to do was just to forgive myself, just free your mind, like just yes. just let it go, right? Because you just don't know what you, what you don't know until you know it, and then you know it. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, like in the fitness world, right? Like, like I, it took me like four years to understand, four years to understand the calories in, calories out math. Mm-hmm. Like I just... It just didn't sink in. Oh, you mean to lose weight, I got to burn more calories than I take in. That's about as simple second grade math as you can come up with. But it yeah. didn't make sense to me until I was just like, well, that's like the most obvious thing ever. Like, it makes sense. Like, it makes sense. Like, until then, it didn't make sense. It's because right? you, didn't, you didn't want it to make sense. Yeah. <laughs> and so then then what you do is when, when you go, okay, that's the truth. This is the truth. Then you go, I forgive you. I forgive you for not knowing. Like, just move on. Like, don't carry it as a burden. Don't be ashamed. Don't hide from it. Don't 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 worry about the fact that you were stupid. It doesn't matter. Like, you know it now. So just move on. So, yes. so that's what I did, and and it wasn't a perfect like flip the switch off one day and switch it on the next. Like, okay, I'm gonna be this wreck of a person one day, and now I'm perfect the next. Yes. No, I mean it took a long time for me to really understand that answer to the question you asked like like what where's the opportunity who do i want to be um and i made a lot of mistakes along the way but at least i just started with a fresh mind and just said man just forgive yourself just let it go like free your mind like just take just take a step and and this is where every journey every industry they all have the same principles so just like you said you you know you weren't going to go from a train wreck to just this perfect you know, successful mm-hmm. business person overnight. It's the same thing in fitness. It's the same thing in healing from from trauma or depression. Like you, the first step is you have to accept where you are. This is where I am, and, and I, I see it in fitness all the time. Where people, oh, I can't believe this happened. I used to do this. I used to do that. And I tell people, nobody cares what you used to do. You have to accept where you are right now. And then we're gonna put one foot in front of the other until we get to whatever your goal is and then we're going to set new goals to make sure you don't backslide so like if you're starting a business you're going to start with your current state and then you got to figure out what it is you want and they create that action plan and take Mm -hmm. daily action to get what you want so like it doesn't matter what it is you're working towards the grind is the same yeah, it's super well said, but but it's not easy, right? Yeah. It's not easy to be honest with yourself and take a, an assessment. I mean, let, let's let's be real, right? If you want to get from where you're at today, fitness wise, to where you want to be somewhere in the future, you know what you have to do? You got to do two things. You got to go get a DEXA scan so that you can get the honest numbers mm-hmm. about your weight and your bone density and the level of fat you have and all of that. And then you got to stand in the mirror with your drawers on and take a picture <laughs> and study it and go, okay, this is who I am today. This is really who I am today. And just be honest, no sucking in the gut, no hiding underneath clothes, no uh, thinking I weigh whatever, but I'm going to move the scale a certain way. I'm not going to let you want to take an honest assessment, but it's okay. It's okay to take an honest. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Don't be hesitant. If, if, this is where you're at today. It's okay. Let it go. Now, let's take yes. the first step to where we want to go. 
Exactly. Right. So, so you mentioned earlier, because th this ties into what we're discussing about doing endurance races. And when I read through, through your bio, so you biked 5,000 miles. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> so a, take me through that mindset. Oh, well, I did a solo bike ride of five, yeah, 4,700 miles. And that was, uh, you know, I mean, I've done like, you know, 20 Ironmans and 50 mile runs and 100 mile runs and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. But I didn't even, I didn't even start until I was in my late thirties okay. um, and, and starting was uh, I couldn't, I couldn't jog slowly for two minutes. Okay. So to gut from there to here is, is a big difference, but that bike ride came about because um, when I first started taking that first step that we were just talking about towards fitness and health and happiness and wherever I was going to be, um, I saw this big, long journey ahead of me, Robert. Like I said, oh, man, I got this big, long journey ahead of me. I'm finally aware of who I am. And I'm going to take the first step. And I see this long road. And at that same time, um, my sister had been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And her road was not going to be long and filled with opportunity. It was going to be filled with tying up loose ends, trying to stay alive as long as she could, and then dying. Yeah. And so very different roads ahead of us. And... Uh, it led me to write my, my latest book, uh, which is Cycle of Lives, where I talked to a bunch of different people about their emotional journeys with cancer. Mm. And doctors, patients, loved ones, survivors, caregivers, children, parents, friends, you know, family, people that went through it, people that watched others go through it. And I got super, super, super deep into the emotional side of their stories took a couple of years for me to interview them to get to the heart of the matter and all, you know, reveal the trauma, kind of frame it properly and really be able to tell their stories. And then when I, um, I wanted to add another aspect to the book, Robert, where I figure we're all connected by story and we're connected by emotion. Why don't I connect all the stories by jumping on my bike and zigzagging across the country to find, to go meet the people that I hadn't been interviewing for, for a couple of years. So, so the only way I could do that to connect the stories in an authentic, real way was to grind my way. Like, like you do shut up and grind, grind my way through. Uh, I did 4,700 miles in 45 days. Uh, went from basically, I went from LA, uh, uh, to Florida down to Tampa and then across Tampa to the East coast and then up to New York zigzagging. So I can meet the people I'd spoken to. And I wow. did it six weeks. So it was uh it was crazy. Wow. And so for people listening, just comment, what do you think about that? Like if that if that's not the grind, if that's not determination and being focused on your goals, like I don't know what else is. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, thank you. You know, it was tough. A lot of people say, How do you train for a five thousand mile bike ride? And I say, Go do a five thousand mile bike ride because there's no training for it. Man. <laughs> you know, there's just there's no training for it. And I and I did the math. I'm into measuring goals and measuring things so you can really frame it properly and not not make it up in your head. Yes. I'm sure you do that with your clients. Yeah. And and I, I average just over eleven hours a day on the bike. And, wow. and that's a long time to be biking uh, into yeah. the wind, up and down hills and getting you know i averaged just over 120 miles a day 11 hours a day it was it was a grind but but it was also um an opportunity you know a learning opportunity and what did you learn from that experience <laughs> man i learned a lot first of all uh the one thing that is for sure 
and and I checked with the with the gods on this one, but and they agreed with me that it doesn't matter which way you're going, if you're trying to bike across the country in a quick fashion, no matter which direction you're going that day, the wind's going to be in your face. <laughs> I learned that. So so you know what? It, 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 and no, there's no there's no kindness of the gods going. Look at Richmond, man. He's he's biking across the country raising money for cancer. We're gonna make it easy on him and, and make the wind out his back. It doesn't work that way. So I, so I learned that nobody cares, man. Just just grind through, right? The wind's in yep. your face every day. That's just accept it. Uh, so that's one thing I learned. Uh-huh. Um, but no, I really did learn by talking to people every day that everybody had some type of, of alignment with the following. And the following is, I know somebody who's going through something traumatic, cancer or otherwise, and I don't know how to talk to them. I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. My grandma just died. I don't know what to say my grandpa. A friend at work just got bad news about their kid. I have no idea what to say. And and that was a, a theme that every single person I talked to could agree with, that they didn't know how to have the hard conversations about the emotional side of trauma. And so that's what I, that's what I did with the book is I tried to shine, shine some light on why that is. Why, why is it so hard to have those, those, um, those conversations? You, you know why? Because on my website, I, th- I believe it's the first sentence that says, as human beings, we are pre-programmed to avoid pain. And that's, that's exactly what it is. It's, like it's, it's in our DNA to avoid pain. So oh, yeah. when, when you're trying to, to, talk, to talk about those things, it's, it's difficult because people don't mentally want to revisit what happened, but not realizing that the true power is in that story. Like, it's not the what happened, it's the how did you get through it? You know, it's like, I, I don't just talk about watching my father get sick, lose a bunch of weight, lose his strength, you know, to start losing his organ function. And then we ultimately had to end his care and watch him pass. You know, like, it, it's not about that because that's about me and how I interpreted what was going on, right? Mm-hmm. The, the real power is how we carried on day to day, raising my kids, doing, um, being there for my clients, doing my podcast, vetting podcast guests. In, in spite of all of that, that was going on with my dad, which was emotionally taxing. And the, the first virtual stage I got on, because he died in 2019. So shortly after everything shut down. So mm-hmm. the first virtual stage I got on and I was telling the story, like I was riddled with tears because it was still so fresh. But but what I realized was in that moment, like the audience was captivated, you know, because men aren't supposed to cry. But, oh, no question. but here I was up there. And mm-hmm. my, my response to that is always, then why do we have tear ducts? <laughs> right? We, right. We, weren't, we weren't meant to cry. We wouldn't have tear ducts. So I realized in that moment that vulnerability is not weakness. It's the ultimate strength. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, uh, no question. Uh, but, but, and I won't just make it a, a male thing or a female thing. Clearly, uh, women are more naturally equipped to be emotionally vulnerable yeah. with others. 
yeah. because of some of the things that you mentioned, right? I can't show weakness. I got to be, it's all crap. It's, it's not true, but that's the way that we, we wire ourselves. So that's what that, the, the cues we take from society. Yes. But it's not true. But what, what really is universal, I don't care if you're young, old, been through a lot, been through a little, it doesn't matter. What is true is that we have these traumas that we experience as young adults, as adolescents, as young children. We have these traumas and they we have an emotional response to them and we lock it up and we hide it and we and we guard it. We keep it inside and we guard it and we don't know how to we don't know how to deal with it because we don't want people to abandon us. We don't want to look like an idiot. We don't want to be ashamed that we didn't do something to prevent somebody from hurting us or whatever the thing is. Mm. And we just protect it. And later on in life, when we hit real traumas, you know, like, like, like real hardcore, big adult like traumas, we're just not equipped. We're used to hiding those emotions. We're used to locking them up and we yes. just don't know how to deal. And so what happens is people just don't, they self-isolate or they don't, they don't know how to have a conversation with themselves or with others, let people in. So I'm sure when you were going through things, you probably experienced some amount of abandonment because people were like, oh man, I know that Robert's going through some stuff, but I don't know what the hell to say to him, right? I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to say something stupid about what's going on with his dad. And then, then I'm going to sound like a you know big jerk. And then you probably were like, man, you know, everybody's got their problems. I'm not going to complain about what's going on with me because, you know, or whatever, all these things that limit us from connecting to people. Yes. And, and, and it's, and it's understandable, but what I try to do with these stories is to find out why. So when, when I noticed that Robert was going through something and I'm like, man, I really care about him. I want to connect to him in a way. And I go, Hey, Robert, dude, what the, what the heck's going on, dude? I know, I know you're going through something and you go, nah, I'm fine. Really. I'm just balancing some stuff. And I go, no, I mean, I know better, uh, right? There's something going on. What is it? And you're like, no, nah. right. And then we start to bridge that gap and we start to get closer. And you realize that I'm asking because I care and not because I'm trying to say the wrong thing or whatever else right and yes. maybe you can open up to me without fear of me making fun of you or abandoning you or telling you that your emotions aren't reasonable i'm not gonna go really get over it dude like I, I, right like oh i got my own problem oh your your dad's dying dude you, you should see i, I gotta take my dog to the vet tomorrow that's hard and right no <laughs> that is not gonna happen with okay. two people that are connecting yes in a very authentic way right Yes. And, and, and so what I, what I try to do with, with, with these stories is to understand what people have gone through and what they're going through. So the reader can look at Robert's childhood, the traumas, the high points, the low points, and frame it properly that I could identify with a guy like you. And maybe if I, if I run into somebody like you that's got a problem, maybe I can be empowered to start a conversation and connect with you in a deeper level. And yes. and that's what these people opened up uh, to me in such a way that allowed me, I think, to tell these pretty evocative, inspiring stories that people could connect to. See, and that's the whole premise of this show as well. Because when I first started this, people thought this was just going to be talking about fitness. And, you know, not, not knocking fitness, obviously, it's a very, very important part of life. But there's so many other things out there that the principles of fitness can apply to. So the more I started doing, like with each episode, 
everything just kept evolving and it went from just sharing information to sharing stories. Mm -hmm. So it's like, so I go on this, this panel It's called the uh, national publicity summit. And so people come and they give us their, their pitches so we can feature them on our shows. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I always say, unless your pitch is really, really bad, I take everyone <laughs> right. because everyone has a story. Like, it, and it, it doesn't have to be this great, you know, I beat cancer nine times kind of thing. Like, it doesn't have to be that. I had a, I had a, a woman on, like, she grew up from very humble beginnings. And then, you know, her family got a different job and then they moved out to the country and she grew an appreciation for nature. And she didn't think that that was a big enough story. And so the the deeper, like the deeper I dove into it with her, come to find out her ultimate goal is to go into urban areas where there's not a lot of nature and in these schools and build outdoor learning environments. Mm. I was like, I was like, that is absolutely incredible. You know, it's, it's like, it's like never, ever, ever sell short the power of your story ever. Yeah, that's be beautifully said. And and that's part of the thing that I, that, that, that drove me to write this book is, is, is you many times, anybody listening many times have walked up to somebody and, and even somebody that you respect. And that person says to you, Hey, I have some information for you. Do you got a minute? Yeah, you could listen. You could not listen. You maybe do have a minute. Maybe you don't have a minute. All right. But very, very rarely have you walked by somebody who you like or respect or even somebody you don't know, but you're like, okay. And they go, hey, I got a story for you. When do you ever go, nah, I don't have time. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you always want to hear a good story. And yes. and I feel like we're all connected by story. But but the problem is, and like what you said, is we like to discount it. And every single person I spoke to, Robert, every single one absolutely definitively said, eh, I don't know why we're talking. All right, I'll talk to you because my story's not that interesting. Yes. Everybody discounted it. And I'm talking about people that had stories that would literally five years later, never the, 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 the emotional side of what they told me has not lessened in five years. Cause I can't wrap my brain around how amazing their story was in certain aspects. And, and that person said to me, yeah, you know, my story's not that interesting. And so <laughs> we, we tend to discount cause we're just living our lives, but, um, but everybody's got a story and, and, and I honestly, if it's authentic and it's real and you connect with people in a deep level, then we can take something from everyone's story. It, you just got to find the right time to understand what's behind that thought of, you never know what people are going through. You never know what they are going through. And if you give each other a safe space to kind of figure that out, you're going to take something remarkable from everybody's story. Yeah. And to further illustrate that point, that's kind of like, here in Rhode Island. So Rhode Island is super small. Like top to bottom is 45 miles. Yeah. Right? East to west is 35 miles. So it's, yeah. it's very small. You can get to the beach. You can get to the hills. You can get to everything in such a short amount of time. But for those of us that live here, we take all that for granted. You know, like if we're in traffic for 10 minutes, we're honking horns. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> whereas, right. whereas, you know, you go to New York, it'll take you half an hour just to get on the subway, let alone the yeah. travel time, you know? Right, right. But it's like, we're so spoiled here. But then tourists will come here, especially in the summer, and just rave about this place. And it's like, 
they're raving about that. But it's because it's right in our backyard. We see it all the time. Yep. And I feel that's how people view their stories because it's their story. They know it. They think about it. They talk about it. So to them, it's not remarkable. It's just a part of who they are. But when you actually break down what they've gone through and help mm-hmm. them find those powerful and teachable moments, that's when they have those breakthroughs. A- absolutely, Robert. Really well said. And, and that uh, goes even more to um, the idea of people's traumas, because that inside voice that locks up those little traumas that we had and sits on the box and, and doesn't let them out um, later in life, right? We're used to discounting it. We're used to not paying yes. attention. We're used to saying, ah, you know what? Okay. I mean, this is our inside voice, right? Yeah. You know what? My mom used to beat me up when I was a kid, but whatever. I mean, I'm past yeah, it. Yeah. Right? Is what it is. Because you, you, that's the inside voice that you said, don't pay attention to that. Don't deal with it. Don't let it affect your life. Don't be vulnerable. Don't, don't let people know you're ashamed that you didn't do more. Don't, right. Don't talk about it. Don't be weak. Don't show, right. We tell ourselves inside, just box it up, dude. It's not, it's, it's nothing. And then later in life, we, we don't know how to deal with it. Yes. And so, yeah, you know, my story's not, ah, you know what? It's no big deal. Right? Yeah, it is a big deal. It's a very big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. No, I was no. just going to say that, 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 that's what it is with, with, especially with trauma is we have this, this inside voice that protects it. And, 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 and when later in life, when I said, if I would say to you, Hey, something's going on and you go, no, I'm fine. If we have a safe space to connect in a way where you're going to talk to me, really talk to me, and you know I'm going to really listen to you, maybe you're only, only saying you're fine because you're afraid if you tell me something that I'm going to laugh at you or that I'm going to embarrass you or that I'm going to abandon you. Or maybe you don't want to look stupid or feel weak or feel vulnerable. And so um, I, I wanted to shine a light on these traumas that we could all identify with. Uh, and have empathy for and compassion for and really feel, really feel so that we could go, oh, that's how it affected them later in life when they were an oncologist or that's how it affected them when they were a critical care nurse or when they watched their spouse die or when they mm-hmm. watched their father die or their child go through something very difficult. Um, th- now we can uh, you know, have a deeper understanding and connectivity potentially. See, and that's where we talk about the major abilities. So, like, the first one is availability. Because if you're not available, you can't do anything. Right. But, but the second one, especially when it comes to storytelling, is relatability. You know, it's like you don't have to go through the exact same thing for it to be relatable. Mm-hmm. You know, so, like, when I've had seven surgeries, so we can pick any one of the seven, that there was a process I had to go through to pick up the pieces and move forward. Like if you get fired from your job, there's a process you have to go through to pick up the pieces and move forward. If you end the relationship, if you have a strained relationship with, with a child or a loved one, like it doesn't really matter what it is. If you are in an abusive relationship, there's steps you have to take to, to move forward. And it's in those steps where you have the power to save and or transform someone else's life. So by telling your story, it becomes bigger than just you. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm nodding at everything that you're saying because <laughs> it's, that, that's what I found. I didn't know that going into this project. Yes. 
I, I didn't know that. I didn't understand the true depth of, of, of some of the things you just mentioned. I didn't know the true depths of what people went through and their coping mechanisms and the way that they protected their, their today self from their previous traumas. I didn't know all that. And I also probably jumped to some pretty quick conclusions about the way people are or what they've gone through. You know, I remember one, one guy I spoke to, he was the chief medical officer for a very, very, very large health plan. Okay. Very, very large health. I mean, this dude was a major, major executive. Before that, he was a doctor. He was, he was a surgeon and a doctor. And I'm sitting there going, man, I am not qualified to talk to this dude because I mean, this guy has accomplished life, right? He's accomplished life. And as I'm getting into his story, I find out that he's one generation away from having worked in the fields like his, like his parents, you know, they came over from Mexico during the Bracera program. Right. And also he, 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 he made his career uh, having gone through a horrible divorce, having one child, he had two ch- children, but one child with a, a host of very, very serious disabilities. And he was the primary caregiver. And even so much so that at one point he was at such a low point that he had to dig through in his adult life with two kids at home, being a doctor, he had to dig through the sofa looking for coins so he could put gas money together to go pick up a paycheck. And I'm just like, man, like, like, how did I, how would you like, what? Mm. I had no idea. I just assumed that guy wouldn't understand what the little guy's going through. Are you kidding me? He's so much a little guy. It's not even funny. Right. And so you just don't know what people have gone through or what, what affects them and what, you know, until you just sit down and talk to them. And if you're lucky enough, like I was, you get enough people that open up to you in a way that allows you to uh, shine some light on that human experience. And when I think about like somebody that's got it great in my head, I think, Oh, that person has a great, I go, nah, Dr. Cruz had to dig through his couch looking for coins he exactly. might, this person might be doing the same thing, right? I mean, I don't know that, right? Yeah. Or when I think they got a terrible, are you kidding me? Maybe they're the happiest person alive. Just because I think that's terrible, maybe they think it's the greatest thing ever. Who am I to say? Right? <laughs> it's true. So it, it does open your mind up to the possibility that there really is way more behind the thought. We don't know what people are going through um, uh, than, the, you know, than just the surface for sure. Yes, sometimes people who have it together on the outside are the biggest train wrecks, and the people who look like the biggest train wrecks have it together the most. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that stems too from just being in touch with your authentic self, like just knowing who you are. Like I've said this before on this show, I had a speaker coach tell me that if I want to be taken seriously as a podcast host, I can't be showing up in a tank top. And I was like, but I'm a gym owner. It's like, this is what I wear. I don't wear three piece suits. You know, you know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't wear ties. Like I wear tank tops and shorts. Right. So, so this is what I'm sh- showing up in. And uh, my message is so dialed in now. Of course, when I first started, I had to, you know, shift gears and find out what I wanted my lane to be, mm-hmm. but I can show up in anything and people aren't even going to remember I had a tank top on. Right. <laughs> by the time I'm done with that speech. Right, because just a quick case in point, up at the the Northern Rhode Island Chamber of Commerce a few years ago, there was there was a networking event, 
that I went to and I went straight from from the gym. And I know typically with network events, you want to dress your best, but like I'd rather just show up, you know, instead of going home and then showing up like 20 minutes late. And so I showed up in my gym. Yeah, this was in a maybe just before spring. So up here, it's still still pretty cold then. So I had my hoodie on, my sweatpants, and I walk in and everybody's in suits. And like you can cut the judgment with a knife. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But by the time we were done, they were all lining up to get my contact info, mm-hmm. you know, because the content that I put out far outweighed my appearance because there were people there who were dressed far better than I was, but they didn't leave the mark on that room the way I did. Yep. You know, and that's the power of being in touch with your story. Cause I got up there and I just let it all hang out. Whereas everybody was just worried about feeling polished, looking polished, sounding polished, where like I told people what they needed to hear, you know, so that's the power of telling your story. But it sounds like you had the awareness of who you are and and connectivity to your to your authentic self. Yes. But it's a hard that's hard. It's a hard place to be. I mean, even in my late 30s. I, I, I didn't even have a sense of that, let alone have mastered it. I didn't even have, and I was running at that point that I was telling you about that low point, you know, overweight smoker, stressed out. I was running a, a business with $110 million in revenue. Wow. Okay. I was running that business for a major yes. wall street firm. So I was successful and I had no sense of who I was, what I was capable of, what my strengths and weaknesses were. All I know is I kept my head down, looking for problems, chip on my shoulder, trying to fix, you know, uh, every rabbit dog out there trying to, you know, (laughs) all that's all I knew about myself. I didn't know anything about who I was and who I wanted to be and, you know, what lane I could play in. I didn't or what lanes I could play in. I didn't know any of that. And so uh, it's hard, man. It's hard to, to, to take an honest look at yourself. It's hard to have connectivity to who you are. And especially if you're carrying around a lot of trauma, especially yes. if you've got a lot of boxes inside that you're sitting on, talking with your inside voice, limiting yourself from being vulnerable or from connecting to others or being authentic or all of these other things. And man, I'll tell you, uh, once you start opening up those boxes and dealing with with that trauma, um, yeah, you can come to some some good conclusions and, and move on and move forward. So it took me a long time to even begin that process. And so I, I have a respect for people when they go, yeah, you know, I never ever really talked about this. I go, I can understand that. Oh, I never really dealt with that. I, I do expressive writing workshops, okay, mm. uh, where I teach people that have been through abuse, PTSD, uh, cancer, you name it. I, I, I teach them how to do expressive writing so that they can start to self-heal and self-care. And last night – um, I was on, uh, uh, I, I did a workshop and a woman, there was a bunch of cancer people, uh, a cancer organization. And she, uh, talked about for the first time ever, she wrote about this a grown woman, a adult daughter who wrote about a nine years old being raped by a family friend. Ooh. And she said, you know, my whole life, I've never talked about this to anyone. I've never said a word of it out loud to myself even, but I just decided I love life too much to carry it around anymore inside my head. And I'm like, dang, is that brave? That's powerful. I mean, so when somebody says, yeah, I never really dealt with this. I never really talked. 
man, when it's time, do it. Until then, just don't don't worry about it. But man, people go through stuff, right? Yeah, and the thing that most people fear, it's made up. Like it's made up. They think, oh, people aren't going. They're not going to want to listen to me. No one's going to relate to my story. Nobody wants to hear me. Like you're creating a false narrative. It's like you don't know this because, like you said, I switched this show into storytelling, and you know we're heard in 44 countries across six continents. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because people right. want to hear other people's stories. It's like, okay, great. You got the million dollar business. You got the fancy car. You got the fancy house. And, you know, the kids are in private school. People don't relate to that. Mm-hmm. But if you tell them that you started out flipping burgers and then you, you know, started designing software as a side hustle. And then next thing you know, you know, Microsoft came and bought your company. Like, like people want to hear that at one point you struggled. And that goes back to earlier when I said that the second greatest ability is relatability. Mm-hmm. So people are going to relate to the messy part of that story. And then they'll appreciate what you've accomplished. Yep. Be- because if not, if they just look at what you've accomplished, they're like, that's privilege. <laughs> you know, that, that's just right. how, that's just how people think. Oh, they probably never had to work a day in their life, yep. had everything handed to them. But once they know that you were that far away from losing your home, you know, and your wife walked away from you and took the kids and you were stuck there at rock bottom with nothing. And then you fought through all that adversity and created your success. You know, people can jump on that that story and follow it along with you. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, tell, telling your story is absolutely everything because I do something similar to what you do. You do yeah. you do expressive writing. I do it through through storytelling. So I take mm-hmm. people. I help people take that mess and then turn it into a powerful message. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's powerful. All right. So for these last few minutes, yeah, just tell me what you got going on. Tell people, I mean, I have your contact info in, yeah. the, in the description, but just don't tell people where they can get in touch with you, where they can get your book, all that good stuff. Sure. I appreciate that, Robert. So I have a couple of books that are for general public. Some I wrote for the industry, but, but in general public, one's called winning in the middle of the pack which basically uh, just speaks to some of the lessons learned and that are parallel between running hundred miles and running a hundred million dollar business. There's, there's a, there's a lot of parallels. And so I tell a story about endurance athletics and about life and about business. And then I kind of show the parallels and, and the winning in the middle of the pack thought is just like, don't worry about, anybody else nobody's really watching the people in the middle just do it for yourself even if it's you know being charitable and doing things for other people just just what you know just just worry about the person in the mirror or fulfilling what the person in the mirror should be doing and not worrying about what everybody's thinking about yeah it's it's a good book It's it's a real fun book and then this latest one cycle of lives again it's about uh you know trying to empower people with a few extra tools for how to relate to people that are going through difficulty and how to how to start hard conversations i think there's great stories and amazing inspirational optimistic stories some of them are heavy but you know what who who's living a life where they don't have parts of their life that was heavy um and uh and, and all the proceeds from that book go to support uh cancer focused charities so all the money goes to uh, organizations like Moffitt Cancer Center in Florida, uh, NYU's Pearl Matter, um, American Cancer Society, those type of things. They're listed on my website. I'm continuing to come out with more books and working on additional projects. 
and uh, they can find out information on me. Just look up David Richmond, uh, wherever books are sold, Amazon, whatever, and uh, and or go to my website, which is cycleoflives.org. Love it. All right, give me some final words. <laughs> and I, I'm never short of words, Robert. Guys like this, I'm never short of words. Um, you know what? I, I would say um, that we talked, you and I both talked about that, that, that kind of like that letting go and just forgiving yourself. So if you are able to take an honest assessment, like you do with a, with you do with a client walks into your business or walks into your gym and you go take an honest assessment. And if you can just let it go and free your mind and just go, okay, I want to lean in that then the next step is just learning, right? Yeah. Just, just learn. You don't have to have any answers. You don't have to know anything. No, there's not, there's no expectation. Just learn. And, and I love the idea of what athletics gave to me is it gave me a place to learn and uh, it didn't give me anything other than a place to learn. And I've learned a million lessons doing Ironmans and 5,000 mile bike rides and hundred mile runs and stuff like that, but not just lessons about that lessons about life. And so if you're open to whatever kind of transformation you want to make, if you can be honest where, with where you're at and then let go and just free your mind, then the rest of life becomes a learning experience. And how great is that? Awesome. Great way to end right there. Solid words of wisdom. David, thank you. This was a great conversation. I love the unscripted stuff because it always just flows. Like every yeah. guest, every guest I bring on, it, it like the conversation just, just flows. And, you know, we covered everything. You dropped a whole lot of golden nuggets. And I'm pretty sure that the listeners are going to get a lot out of this. So again, he gave your contact, he gave his contact info. You'll find it in the description on all of the platforms. Cause obviously this is live on Facebook and YouTube, but it'll, it'll be on all of the podcast platforms. And I just thank you for taking the time and uh, I'll be in touch with your publicist. I don't even yep. know wh where she found me from. Cause I got a, a random email from her about you. A couple months yeah. Ago. We have a whole, <laughs> we have a whole team that looks for people like you because I think we are going to end up being able to connect in a real way. Nice. And, um, and so wh whether I find it, she finds it, somebody else on the team finds it. We go, oh, you know what? This person might be cool. You got to reach out. So we, we just nice. work as a team to do that. Love it. Yeah, because I have another uh, all-star panel coming up soon. And uh, I'm going to keep you in mind for that keep one. Keep me in mind. I don't know if I'm an all-star, but I'll be on a panel. <laughs> <laughs> now, you definitely gave an all-star performance here today. So thank you very much. Like I said, and, uh, I'll be in touch. Thanks, Robert. All right. Take care. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Till next time, shut up and grind.